Welcome to the Effort is a Choice show. What's crack-a-lacking, y'all? So, just so you guys know, I know that my microphone has like a fucked up, um, I don't know, man. I put dialectical grease. I've tried to tinker with this equipment to the best of my knowledge and ability. I got some new stuff, and as soon as I learn how to work it, I'm going to try to get the audio quality to be a little bit better. But anyway, so... I'm going to, I preach a lot of like doing, doing cool shit, right? Doing the right thing, all of that. And I know that that can be a burden of pressure over the course of listening to a bunch of it. At least it, you know, is to me with other podcasts. So I got to mix some shit up a bit. And on some of these different ones, I'm just going to tell stories. We'll just, uh, I got some writings I did. It's so funny. All of these, the good writings I have are from my my phase one of 75 hard, which is after you do your 75 days and you have to have a critical three critical tasks that move you forward in your goal. Um, my goal was always to write a book of compelling stories about the journey and just some of the shit I've seen and done, you know, those from life experiences to some of the, some stories, man, that you can't really just tell anyone, you know, them stories that you only tell your certain friends and it's only that certain thing you did. Well, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't know if I'm ever gonna get to write the book, which uh, might happen one day. But uh, that's what the podcast was started for, so I can tell some of these stories. And then my goal with the stories themselves is not only, I guess, from an entertainment point of view, because you know when when somebody hears a really good fucked up story, you know it's kind of like a car crash. You just can't help but look, <laughs> and uh, they'll be like, "Man, did you listen to that that fucked up story?" Be like, "Dude, that shit was super fucked up." I listened to it twice. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and at some point, I'm hoping to get to interview people, you know, get to sit down and talk with uh, some other people, hear some of their things they that they went through, some of their stories. And um, if I just start to, to just tell some of my certain situations, then um, it, I gotta, yeah, it's gonna open up doors for other people to relate to some of their experiences and the things they went through. And, um, and then that way, what it can do for the audience, you guys listening, I hope, is to realize that either A, you might have done some fucked up shit and made some silly decisions, and that's no excuse for why you can't pursue everything that you've ever desired or deserved or dreamed of. Deserved is kind of fucked up, but you only deserve the shit you get, and everyone is already in possession, and your life is exactly what you deserve from the choices you've made up to the current moment of your existence. So, yeah, with that being said, I'm going to tell some uh, some stories of growing up. I got these papers. I'm going to try to read through them, uh, reflect the best I can to that memory at the time. Some of these might be short and sweet. You know, some of these might be dragged out. I'm not going to play the fucking crimey fiddle while I'm I'm telling these stories. I don't want anyone to, I don't know, fucking do this. This is, this is my what made me who I am, some of these stories, you know, they, they, you look back on and I'm just like thankful as I can be that I got to experience that side of life at a young age and be exposed to all them things so they didn't have to wreck my fucking thirties after a marriage and a house and all this shit, you know, like that's, that's something me and my wife joke about, you know, we, we might have our problems in the future. We never know what uncertainties will you know, unfold. But what we can say is like, neither one of us are ever going to be strung out on meth. We're not going to become heroin addicts. We're not going to 
you know, be pissing ourselves on the porch drunk because of the amount of alcohol we consumed. Like those elements of life or things that we've been exposed to enough to just not desire in any way, shape or form because it's, it's a losing system. And who the fuck wants to be a loser for their entire life, especially if it's on a repeat process. If you come from a piece of shit family, like, and you can hear my voice, God might've put you here to be the one who's not following the circle anymore of bad decisions, right? So without further ado, top end of the story. So I'm going to put, this is growing up between the ages of, we'll say eight years old and 11 years old, like around that time frame. So when we moved out of our house, we had the same house for a long time when I was a child. And um, this was really going on a few years before we moved out of the house. I can remember just going to my parents' friend's house. But this was like right towards the end. We had lost. They had My parents had rented the house out to somebody that I guess messed it up or something. I don't know. I don't think there was any like legal contracts or insurance or anything. You know, they just decided they were going to do this thing. Uh the house got foreclosed on because they didn't make the rent payments for whatever reason that they couldn't make it. And I just remember being a little kid and like we weren't allowed to go back to the house anymore, but we didn't really have anywhere else to go. And my mom and dad were, you know, kids when they had me. So they were probably, I just remember a lot of, yeah, there was good times. We got to go to, you know, SeaWorld and Daytona Beach every other weekend, you know, to stay in a hotel room and, and swim in the pool while our parents were at the beach or whatever it was they were doing. And, uh, yeah, but at this particular time, I'd say, yeah, between I was about nine and 11 years old, we moved out of our house and I can remember having my PlayStation two and my book bag there for a few weeks, we were going from house to house with my mom and dad where I would sit in someone's living room or any other room of their house that had a TV and I would start playing video games. And my mom's odd friends were always waiting on my dad to get back with something. I can remember this one particular time there was an older gentleman who was talking about the games, my video games in the living room with, in the living room with me. And he seemed very uncomfortable and more interested in me and my games than any of the other conversations, people, or things that were going on in the room. I'll never forget the look on this man's face. It's the same feeling I get now when I think about why I was even in those places as a kid to begin with. Now that I'm grown, I can look back and see that those were dope houses. My mom had a bunch of strung out friends and my dad always knew somebody where to get some shit from. So they were usually waiting on him to get back with the drugs. There was usually, there was usually an occurrence I can remember where I had my video games and a lot of other similar stories. And there were other kids that had strung out parents. I can remember people always being in the bathroom waiting on someone to get out of the bathroom, knocking on the door, you know, looking for this person. It's like somebody was always getting high without somebody else around and someone was always waiting on something. And it was like, this is multiple houses. I can remember like going to this trailer, this, this house, that house, or like some of them I would get to go in and set up some, I was just told to wait in the car and yeah, looking as an adult, like what a fucked up place to have a kid, you know? 
but I ended up, you know, spending the years later growing up with, you know, my grandpa, my aunt, my uncle, you know, all of these, these moving around probably because of how, you know, unresponsible my parents were at the time. I can remember, you know, even before I had video games, yeah, that when I was like even younger than, than that, I can remember going over to my buddy John's house. John, uh had parents who had a nice brick house on this cul-de-sac but in the back of the house they had this old geek shed that this guy rusty lived in rusty would drink motor oil and he would do tattoos he would cut out porno pictures of playboys and like put glue on the back of them and wallpapered every inch of the entire like shed that he lived in that was the geek house out back with those pictures our parents i would say john's mom or yeah mom and dad and my mom and dad and even a couple numbers of their friends would all spend way more time in that fucking shed out back than they did their three-bedroom house so us kids were usually just running around the neighborhood and um i can remember me and john both look were you know had a conversation of about five or six years ago about just being able to remember it being two or three a.m. and next to that house there was a big retention pond ditch that was always full of a bunch of beer bottles and trash. Our parents would take us out there with flashlights and tell us to break bottles for fun. So we would stay out there with the flashlights throwing bottles up into the air or throwing them at other hard things breaking glass until the sun would come up. And then generally when the sun would come up, they would all come in and us kids would, you know, fall asleep at some point later because we had just been up all night playing or riding around with whatever our parents were doing. I can remember one time we, uh, it was in the daytime, we were up, there was no one else there and we found a bottle of Rain-X and we all wrote our names in the Rain-X in the driveway. And then if you didn't know, Rain-X is very flammable, you can light it on fire. And uh, we lit it all on fire at the anarchy sign, maybe a couple initials. And when we tried to put the fire out, well, it stained the driveway. And uh, we all got kind of yelled at for that. But looking back at it, like, where the fuck were your parents? Like, are you kidding me? We had time to do this like three or four times, you know, and, and hang out outside. with. I mean, it's a different world we live in now, I guess, a little bit because, you know, I know I probably wouldn't, you know, if I lived in that neighborhood now, today, I no way I would let my kids probably play in the driveway. But then again, this is coming from a guy who doesn't really, you know, socialize properly as much as I need to or in the, you know, with the people I need to. But I think now the people I do talk to are, are all pretty cool. And they pour back into me. That's why I talk to them. But yeah, so this, uh, this, this occurrence of my, my childhood kind of went into me being older. I would say within the five years that I spent Five or six years from the age of, we'll say like, a, well, I guess, yeah, 11 to 18 away from my parents. And when I did show up on their doorstep again, it wasn't because I wanted to be there. It was because I had fucked up and burnt every other bridge I had in the county I lived in and was in a lot of trouble. I had some bounty hunters out looking for me. So, uh, yeah, I fucking sprung back up on them. But even during that that seven-year span, I can, there was maybe four times that I seen my, my mom and we would, she would, you know, come up, it would be this planned out thing, this whole big deal. But even then, like we would get in the car, she would want to go, 
show me to some friend, you know, to brag about how she gets to see her son for the weekend because it was always such a big deal for everyone else to know that she got to spend time with her son. But we would usually end up that same little thing. We would park at some nasty shithole trailer. She would ask, do you want to come in and see fucking whoever? And I'd be like, I don't fucking know these people. And I don't give a shit about these people. And no, I don't want to talk or meet anyone. Like, it was always embarrassing to me. She never introduced me to anyone that wasn't someone that I was immediately already uncomfortable around. I was aware of these type of people. You know, at that point, maybe I had went to, I think, you know, sixth and seventh grade with my grandpa. Um, I had made friends at that school. I had went to visit their parents. You know, I had went to some of their houses on the weekend. You know, we, we, we went to these, you know, some, some birthday parties that were at nice places. I realized at that point, like, oh, my parents were super fucked up, <laughs> right? Like everyone else has got, you know, they might have a little problems or whatever, but they got this, this normal house. You know, these things are clean. I realized, you know, the difference here, like, yo, my parents are super fucked up. So those couple little outings I did have, like, nah, I was very uncomfortable the entire time to where I believe after that first one, I never went and visited her again without bringing a friend with me, which sounds funny too. Like she would want me to come up for the weekend and we're going to do this. So, uh, my buddy, Michael Cedarberg went with me one time and, uh, I remember we had this Ford, my mom had this Ford Taurus. She paid like $200 for And while she was in the room with four or five of her grown ass friends in some dude's house. Yeah. We got to do donuts and, uh, he had like a gravel driveway that had a little pitch to it. And we came up to that shit hot, got a little airborne. I want to say we blew three of the four tires out of that car. And, uh, yeah, that was just one of the times. Another time I think I took my buddy Jacob with me and, uh, I think another time Jacob and Travis came with me. There's all of us went on that trip, but, um, that's just, I, looking back at it now, like as in, you know, that's what it was is man, I, I had this insecurity about being around my, my parents that was so uncomfortable. It's like, look, if you're going to take me to these, these fucked up places around these people, like I have to have backup. So I would bring my friends with me to go visit my parents that I hadn't seen in, you know, years, you know, my dad, he's, a. Uh, He's always been just kind of like a fucking goofball loser, if I if that makes any sense. Like he's not a, he's never achieved any levels of success. He's never like applied himself or fully like been capable of anything. But he's never been a bad guy. He's never done anything like maliciously wrong. He's just a fucking idiot most of the time, you know. <laughs> but uh, one of the coolest things he did, I guess, that I can remember while I'm on this subject is uh, during one of them visits, you know, it was like Christmas or my birthday or something. And they're going on like six years of like barely even seeing me. So he traded a John boat for this XR100 dirt bike. And uh, yeah, that's what started the whole fucking pit bike thing for me or, you know, motocross loving. And uh, the reason that I, I like racing pit bikes today is because of that bike and I had that bike for like four years and it never saw a chain a oil change a filter it didn't it's missing spokes uh I rode it down the dirt road on rims for a long time just because it was the way that I would get from my buddy Joe's to, to Zach's house up the street last time I seen that thing I want to say the wheels were gone like handlebars were bent down by the gas tank it was a frame like sitting on a bucket but you could walk over there and kick it and it would run like first kick it would fire up it was the craziest thing so anyway 
that's a uh, just a little brief bit of the, the shit that I can remember, man. And then, uh, yeah, my next paper I'm looking at here, I think I have, like, you know, that 15 to, like, 18 living down there and just some of the cool stuff I got to, to see down there and just a couple more really cool stories. But, um, yeah, if you've ever been in some fucked up spot growing up or you were around some parents that were doing some fucked up shit that might not have been in your best interest, just know that if you as an adult can recognize that and correct it in your actions, you have a million percent chance of overcoming some of that bullshit that you were exposed to, right? It's, uh, it, it's either going to make you uncomfortable and want to do different or that's going to become normal, right? I, uh, I grew up with this, this girl whose parents had been strung out on drugs for a long time and it never did understand as kids like why she didn't hate them. You know, like you'd bring up my parents and be like, man, fuck my parents, you know, at a certain point. Like after five years, I'm like, I don't know, you know, they do drugs. You know, they could come around, but they chose drugs for years and that was like their thing, you know. And uh, so did this girl's parents. But as we begin to to grow up, you know, um, barely stayed in contact at all. You know, I'd talk every once in a while. But then as we got like 17, 18, like, oh, I'm, I'm going to go hang out at my mom's house. I'm like, you're the dope house? The fucking trash house? The house that every other dope head in the entire town fucking gets high at? Like, you're going to go sit over there. What could you possibly want to do that for? And it was always, you know, oh, you know, I I don't know. There was some fucking weird excuse, something dumb, you know. And then uh, here we are like 15 years later. Guess where that person is? Guess where that girl's at? Strung the fuck out on drugs with the same exact people that, you know, I can just remember when, when I would say things like, why the fuck would you go over there in a million, you know, I, don't, I only talk to her probably once every, you know, fucking once a year maybe. And it's all, oh, you're hanging out over there. Like that's the fucking dope house. That's a shit place. She's like, well, that's my family. You know, I don't talk about my family like that. I love my family. I'm like, I don't give a fuck who it is. You know, there are winners and losers in life, man. There are people who make good and bad choices. And when people choose that circumstance is going to outweigh their ability to make a decision, that's a weak-ass fucking choice to me, dude. So you're going to let whatever just happens to stroll into your lap be what dictates the course of the rest of your life. Or you're going to let the way that you were born or who your your parents happen to be or the decisions and choices they just happen to make reflect on everything that you are capable of or that you can do. That's some weak ass shit. Like that's that's the whole reason I have the show is to try to hope that people like that might stumble across this shit one day. And then I, you know, I can talk real slow and say things like the effort you put into your choices dictate everything you deserve. You deserve everything you already have right now. Look around. Check your bank account. Everything in your life is an equation to every decision you've made past that leads up to your present. And, you know, that's coming from somebody who's in the the weakest spot I've ever been in as an adult. I am the least amount of providing that I've ever done in existence. But what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to, like, cry and go get a job at fucking Subway because everything sucks? Or do I continue to pursue the ideas and the dreams that I think are going to build an infinite amount of income in the future. It's unfucking measurable. It's unattainable of what could 
potentially be accomplished if an idea is executed. Just a year of execution. So yeah, let that be you too. Nothing has to be the way it's been and everything is going to be five years from now what you decided is today. You're going to be in a spot a year from now that's either going to be you, you learned a lot, you went through some hard times, you did some growing, or you're going to be in the same exact spot, which is actually 10 steps backwards because you're never staying the same. You're growing or you're dying. You get better or you get worse every 24 hours. And that those choices you make are up to you. God's voice is in your head. You have already been blessed because you've been born with the ability to know right from wrong. Is that food good for you? Is that song you're singing with your fucking friend in the car talking about anything in your brain that's going to cause you to make a better thought on your next action? Is, is what you're looking at on your phone? Is what you're doing with your time? Oh, you've watched every fucking new Netflix series, but you haven't read a book in 10 fucking years. You wonder why you're fucking poor and stupid. You mean the choices that you've made and the actions that you've done have occurred to everything you are? Oh my God, what a math problem. I always liked math class because there's a fucking answer. They give you a little thing at the corner that tells you how to do the problem. Now, if you can't look at that as reference and apply it to the the other mixed numbers of variables, you're going to have a hard time in life. If you can't put together doing, oh, drinking beer, doing drugs, having a shit job, being content, chasing being content every chance I get. Oh, how can I go, you know, sit at the bar? How can I go play pool? How can I go fucking ride around in the woods? How can I fucking get a new video game? How can I get all the chasing comfort that you are seeking is going to make you infinitely more sad than any discomfort you could chase. Go do something you've never done. Decide. It doesn't take, there's no genius to this. Have you ever been 10 miles? Have you ever walked 10 miles on your feet? Get a fucking book bag, get a couple bottles of fucking water, turn your phone on and go walk 10 miles. And when you get to five, it's going to be the hardest thing you've ever done. When you get home, You're going to feel better about yourself than any fucking show you could watch, any game you could play, or any place you could go and people you could drink with. And and there's no fucking body who's going to – you don't need anyone's approval. You're not going to go, oh, look at what I did. No one's going to care what the fuck you did, but you will infinitely feel better about yourself because you put yourself in a place of uncomfort instead of chasing comfort like you know the mediocre people around you are. Be uncommon among the common. People will call you crazy. In a world of insane people, it is the sane people who are called crazy. I don't, know. don't be a fucking pussy, though, because all you people are probably going to die when shit hits the fan anyway. And the fact that we're going to have to chug you fucking along and the other people are going to die trying to protect your stupid ass isn't, isn't acceptable to me when you are all capable of being better. I am one million times capable better than my life is currently reflecting. And the only way to prove that point is to lead by example, make better choices and use my effort in ways that are going to define my character. And you can do the same. So do it, man. Keep your moral compass pointed in the do the right shit direction. You might have to do the wrong thing sometimes because if you don't fuck up, you're never going to learn. But the worst thing you can do, the worst thing you can do is absolutely nothing. You die on the inside. 
And if you're hesitating now, if God blessed you with the ability to know, because I can say do something and your brain's going to click, you already fucking know what you need to do. You already know what you need to do. You already know what you need to do. It's that thing. It's that room. It's that phone call. It's that this. God told you what you need to do. Now you need to go and do it. Hesitation equals death. Every moment you wait is every moment you die. Don't fucking die. All right, guys, go live your best life. Get the fuck after it. Peace.